episode 769. Now that we're in the midst of the offseason, it's time to speculate about free agency, the draft, and everything in between. Taking on these topics is Ralph Mancini of the Packers blog LombardiAv.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans. And welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're talking about the Packers offseason today. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Ralph Mancini of the Packers blog, LombardiAv.com, part of the fan-sided network. Mr. Mancini, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. Great to be on. Thanks for joining us. we got a lot to get to here. Uh, Ralph, uh, Aaron Rodgers took part in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am Golf Tournament this past weekend. Were you interested in watching that at all and seeing a Packers player in a competitive environment now that the football season is come to an end? Well, I'm not much of a golf guy, but as for Aaron Rodgers you know, taking part in that type of event in the off season. I mean, look, just about every athlete, every baseball player, every football player, lots of basketball players too, they, they love playing golf in the off season. Um, there's, there's dangers in pretty much doing anything that's somewhat athletic, whether it be playing a pickup basketball game or, or playing a few rounds of golf. So, I mean, to me, as, as long as Aaron Rodgers is not, like, riding motorcycles or stuff like that, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine with him, you know, playing a few rounds of golf. I mean, it's something that a lot of, a lot of athletes do in the offseason. So I'm all good with it. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't take too many risks. But to talk about some stuff that's been more in the news lately regarding the Green Bay Packers, safety, ha-ha, Clinton Dix gained some attention this past week when he wrote a tribute to his former teammate now, Sam Shields, on social media. Some people thought Clinton Dix threw defensive coordinator Dom Capers under the bus, kind of saying that, you know, Shields always did his job even when the team didn't agree with Dom Capers' calls. And and some people kind of interpreted that, that they don't agree with Dom Capers' calls. Ralph, where do you fall on that topic? Well, I, I wish I, I wish HaHa Clinton Dix was a little bit more specific uh, regarding the the calls that Capers is making in terms of being critical of those calls. Uh, but I, I understand, you know, him, you know, being the good teammate, wanted to see Shields back. Um, and now, now look, you know, the guy suffered multiple concussions. I understand where the Packers front office is coming from. You know, not bringing him back. Uh, Shields was the type of guy, he was, he was a quiet guy, but he led by example. And I understand why, you know, a lot of the players, you know, wanted him back, wanted to see him around. Um, now as, as far as him, you know, being critical uh, of Dom Capers, uh, look, I'm not the biggest Dom Capers fan. I can't remember the last time we had a top five or a top 10 defense and, you know, what, what I can maybe take out of this is maybe, the fact that maybe Dom Capers, you know, at times 
hasn't been really aggressive with the defense. Um, maybe he's you know gone into prevent mode a little bit too early in some games. Um, but again, that's just me, you know, trying trying to read or trying to decipher exactly what he's trying to say, uh, you know, with uh, with the play calling. But um, you know, as as far as as far as how hot Clinton Dix, you know, uh, ex- expressing you know his uh, his support for Sam Shields, I, I totally get that. He's being a good teammate. He understands, you know, the, the role that Shields played and you know serving as a mentor for him. You know, as he, you know, was trying to break into the league as a rookie uh, about three years ago. So, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, Kind of expanding on the topic here and speaking of Sam Shields, where do you think cornerback falls on the list of teams need, the the team's needs this offseason? Because on one hand, the Packers still have a lot of young players at the cornerback position under contract. But on the other hand, they didn't play very well this past season. Yeah, uh, I think that cornerback has to be our top priority going into the offseason, whether that means spending some money on a free agent or whether that means us you know, focusing on bringing in not one, but two, maybe even three cornerbacks in the draft. Uh, I know that we have a number of young players, you know, Rollins and Demarius Randall. Uh, we have a number of young players who are still developing at the pro level uh, that are hopefully are hopefully going to get better. Um, but you know, quite frankly, and, and that's the big problem I have with Dom Capers is that yeah, I know Ted Thompson hasn't done the best job of you know furnishing uh, Capers with players in the draft over the past few years. But how is it that both Quentin Rollins and the Marius Randall both regress in their second years? Uh, uh, you know, at the pro level. So, yeah, I think going into the draft, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have a mock draft coming out tomorrow on LombardiApp.com, and I'm going to I'm going to have the Packers taking uh, not one, not two, but three cornerbacks in my mock draft, uh, just because I, I have very little faith in a guy like Demarius Randall um, and Quentin Rollins. Um, and I, I'm not saying those guys, uh, you know, can't do better, but I, I don't know from what from what I've seen, I, I have my doubts about being those guys being starting caliber players um, on, on a quality defense uh, down the road. So yeah, I would say cornerback is priority number one going into the off season for the Packers. Well, maybe you can get even more into that here. Um, Ralph, what what do you think is going to happen with the money the Packers saved by releasing Sam Shields? They saved nearly $9 million under the cap, but we know a lot of that money is going to go toward re-signing the Packers' own players like Nick Perry, Jared Cook, TJ Lang. There's some more guys yet. We don't know everyone they're going to re-sign, but, you know, how much money is there going to be left to get involved in free agency on players from outside the organization? Well, if we know anything about Ted Thompson, he's first and foremost going to focus on bringing back his own players. So, yeah, I do think that, you know, he's probably going to do what it takes uh, to, to bring Nick Perry back. That is That has to be the top priority in terms of, you know, bringing back our, our own free agents. Um, and and then, you know, at, at that point, I don't see Ted Thompson overspending or breaking the bank on any of these big-time uh, 
impending free agents that are going to be available. You know, I mean, we could all talk about, you know, maybe bringing in a guy like a Tremaine Johnson uh, from, from the Rams. Um, you know, they're going to be guys like Eric Berry, uh, A.J. Bouye, uh, who might be available as well. But I don't, I don't see the Packers going after those big-name guys just because Ted Thompson just doesn't work that way. You know, his modus operandi has been, you know, to, to wait, you know, for the, for the market to settle down, wait for some of those big names to get signed to exorbitant contracts, and then swoop in, you know, a few weeks later and, and try to get those bargains. As, you know, as we can recall, last year that's exactly what they did with Jared Cook. Now, they lucked out. You know, they, they were lucky to get him at a very reasonable fee. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't see this year being all that different. And, you know, there are going to be some moderately priced veterans out there at a number of positions that I think the Packers are going to look at. But, you know, to expect them to go after some of these big-name guys, these high-impact guys, I just think – uh, I don't think that's in the cards just because Ted Thompson just doesn't really operate that way. We're talking to Ralph Mancini of LombardiAv.com here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Ralph, it was learned last week the Packers signed a new member to their defensive coaching staff, adding Tim McGarrigal. Uh, I don't expect you to know much about McGarrigal, but were you in agreement about the Packers pretty much keeping their staff intact this offseason? You kind of alluded to Dom Capers earlier. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like one of the problems that I have with, my, have with um, Mike McCarthy is the fact that he's a bit too loyal to, you know, some of his assistant coaches, uh, particularly with Doug Capers. Um, and and there have been a number of guys, uh, those secondary coaches, you know, uh, Witt and Darren Perry. I mean, they haven't done a, a great job either, you know, as far as developing, you know, some of those players in the secondary. So, yeah, I, I mean, um, it's it's nice to have some fresh new blood in there with McGarrigal as as part of the coaching staff, but I, I think that this uh, entire um, coaching unit, uh, as far as the defense goes, needs a big overhaul. Uh, uh, with, with Dom Capers, uh, again, it's like you know, how many years do we need to see you know this defense you know struggle, uh, particularly in the playoffs? I mean. You know, we have some of our worst. We've had some of our worst performances in the playoffs over the past few years. You know, whether it's watching, you know, uh, Kaepernick just run circles around us a few years back, and and then you know against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, them you know scoring you know over forty points against us. Uh, I mean, it seems like you know each and every year our, our defense struggles, and we have to depend on our offense to bail us out. Each and every year, there's so much pressure on Aaron Rodgers and company to put up big points uh, because, you know, quite frankly, it's, we really don't have much to hang our hats on as far as the defense goes. We need help at all three levels going into the offseason, you know, in, in terms of bringing in, you know, talent that can help us, that can help us improve. That means linebacker, that means cornerback, and that even means we need help along the defensive line as well because, you know, we could talk about, you know, us struggling, you know, in covering receivers. But also, I think I think the defense also regressed in terms of defending the run as the season wore on. You know, we, we were ranked number one in the first quarter of the season against the run. 
And, and then as, as the season went on, I thought because of our lack of depth up front, well, we were giving up some big games to opposing running backs. So uh, I think, again, yeah, we, we need to focus on the defense in terms of shoring up all three levels in the offseason. Uh, all right, Ralph, the, the Chicago Bears on Friday signed former Packers tight end Justin Perillo. So after seeing him for three seasons in a Packers uniform, do you think he has the ability to help a division rival at all? Yes, they do. You know, Perillo, I think, is kind of an, kind of an underrated guy. When I've seen him mostly in the preseason, you know, you look at him, he's about, you know, he's like kind of like a, a boxy 250-pound guy. He doesn't look all that athletic. But you, when you watch him on the field, he runs good, clean routes. He catches everything that's thrown in his direction. Now, you know, he's not going to have a lot of these 50- or 60-yard plays. He's, he's not the type of player who stretches the seam, but he's a reliable receiver underneath, knows how to get open uh, in the short areas. So I, I think that, you know, if you pick him up as a tight end two or a tight end three, I think Justin Perillo is an underrated player. Yeah, we'll see what he does in a Bears uniform. And and before we let you go, Ralph, again, you you alluded to this already. You have an article being published at Lombardi Ave uh, upcoming here. Uh, you you, you kind of mentioned the cornerbacks. Can you give us any more of a sneak preview that'll hopefully get our listeners to check it out? Yeah, absolutely. It should be up tomorrow morning. And I'm going to be focusing on, as as a good Packers fan, as as a Packers analyst, I'm going to be focusing on the defensive side of the ball. So right now we have eight picks, and those eight picks can turn maybe into nine or ten. You know, once the compensatory draft picks are distributed in about a month from now. But with with the eight picks in my mock draft, uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to have the Packers taking six players on the defensive side of the ball. So this is all about shoring up the defense and improving a major area of need. Sounds good. Ralph, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Keep up the good work at Lombardi Ave, and we'd love to have you back on sometime. Awesome. My pleasure, Brian. All right. Take care. Ralph Mancini of LombardiAve.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll tell you, Vince, what's going on out here. In Packers news, Aaron Rodgers missed the cut in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, finishing 11 under par with playing partner Jerry Kelly, the pro golfer, uh, and they were 22 strokes off the lead. Uh, the goal for Rodgers in the future will have to be to make the cut, which I'm not sure he's ever done in that tournament. He's now played in it several consecutive years. I'm not sure I ever remember him making the cut and playing in that final Sunday. Uh, But it was at least an opportunity to see him in a competitive environment over the weekend, the first weekend without football. Uh, but that's about the extent of the Packers news you're getting here on a Monday morning in the off season. Because of the lack of news, I'm going to take this segment to ask, uh, not ask, to take some more reader questions. I, I solicited questions on Twitter over the weekend, and I got a bunch of them here, and hopefully uh, that's going to provide us 
uh, with some Packers talk here this morning. From Bryce Hansen, uh, at Bryce underscore Hansen on Twitter, he says, will the young corners improve in year three? And I guess he's talking specifically about Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, and um, uh, uh, Ladarius Gunter, even though the Packers have several other younger cornerbacks on the roster who were rookies this past year, or even uh, Dimitri Goodson, who will be entering year four. But as far as that trio that all came in, uh, you know, now two years ago, they'll be entering their third season in 2017. I, I My approach to this group is you can make none of the three played all that well in 2017 or 2016. Pardon me. Uh, Ladarius Gunter probably played the best of the group, but that still wasn't all that good. When you go and take a look at his, his grade on at pro football focus, and you don't even need grades to tell you how well he played in like the NFC championship game when he was torched by Julio Jones, albeit Julio Jones does that to a majority of NFL corners, but you know, it wasn't just that there were, there were some times when Gunter played well, there were more times when he didn't. And it was even worse for Randall and Rollins. I'm hoping that one of the three steps up and becomes a solid NFL starter. Um, I, I think it's probably after seeing these guys for two seasons, it might be too much to ask for all three of them, even two out of the three, uh, to, to come out and, and really break out. Uh, I, I personally hold the most hope, uh, uh, for Demarius Randall because you can see the, the talent level is there. You, we've seen him make critical interceptions at crucial times, very athletic plays. Uh, Unfortunately, we've seen him, you know, get torched all too often as well. Uh, But we've also seen him freelance a lot, which is terrible Uh, from, you know, if you're sitting there as a fan or not even a fan, if you're sitting there as a coach watching him, it it drives you nuts uh, to, to know that, hey, if you buckle down and start playing with technique and do all the things that you're supposed to do that will make you become a Pro Bowl type of corner in the NFL, that he has the talent and uh, ability to do it, potentially, we're just not seeing it. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that Demarius Randall will be the guy who breaks out and and becomes a good starting level cornerback in the NFL. Meaning, you know, maybe he's not the best, maybe he's not a pro bowler, uh, but if he can go from, you know, uh, let's just say, you know, pro football focus, they rank all the cornerbacks in the NFL. I, I think he was ranked, he wasn't even in the top, you know, too deep of the, you know, if there's 32 teams in the NFL, every team has two starting cornerbacks. That's, you know, 64. I don't even think he finished in the top 64 this year. If he can just improve to finishing, you know, in the top 64 or the top 32 would be ideal. I think that would be good for a guy like Demarius Randall. 
But to expect all three of those guys to to do that, uh, to to rank in the top starting cornerbacks of the NFL, I'm just not sure it's going to happen. We, of course, we'd all love it to happen. I, I'm just, yeah. I hope one of the three emerges and and does that and really improves in 2017. <clears throat> Very similar question here in terms of it focus also on the cornerback position from Green Bay MMA that's user handle WBA MMA on Twitter can you see the Packers trading up in the first round to secure a top level cornerback I'm asked this question on almost an annual basis in some form or another of course at some point the Packers will trade up into the first round again The last time it happened was in 2009 when they traded up to get Clay Matthews. But as far as when they'll do it again, when it will happen again, it's impossible to predict because when it happens, you're going to have about one minute of advance notice. Unless a team in the NFL trades up for the number one overall pick, trades on draft day are made when a team is on the clock. (laughs) And it all depends on how the draft board falls to them. Something we have no clue how it's going to happen. We can look at all the mock drafts in the world and they're basically every single one, even the best predictors and are basically inaccurate. Um, We we think we know how it's going to happen and then it happens a different way. So we have no clue who's going to be on the board when the Packers pick and whether they're that motivated to move up and grab that type of player. I'll say this. First of all, anything can happen. I wouldn't rule anything out. But I know this, cornerback is among the deepest positions in this year's NFL draft, and that's a good thing for the Packers. There's a decent chance a good player falls to the Packers in the latter half of the first round, whether it's someone like Tease Tabor of Florida or Sidney Jones of Washington or, or even a player falling in the second round like Jordan Lewis of Michigan or something like that. There's a wealth of good cornerbacks in this year's draft, guys I haven't mentioned. So the Packers can probably get a very good player even on day two of the NFL draft that encompasses rounds two and three. So, you know, it, it, it's impossible to predict Could it happen? Absolutely. Am I going to guarantee it's going to happen? Absolutely not. It's just one of those things. We'll have to wait to draft day to to find out. And some year it's going to happen again where they'll, they'll, you know, trade up into the first round to, to get maybe not necessarily a cornerback, maybe another position. We shall see. Um, Another question from... Jake Stack with username Jacob Morley on Twitter. Which young player on the roster do you feel like has the talent to relatively come out of nowhere to be a good player in Green Bay? Well, Jake, I guess that all depends on your definition of out of nowhere. Um, I thought about this for a second before coming on the show today and I have three rookies on the roster that might fit that definition, uh, again, depending on your own set of parameters. But there's three rookies in 2016 that were taken uh, 
after days one or days two of the NFL draft that I think can become consistent contributors for this Packers team. So I basically negated, you know, Kenny Clark. I really like Kenny Clark. I think he can be really good, but, you know, first-round draft pick. I, I don't think he fits your definition of out of nowhere. But so these guys taken on and day three or later or undrafted free agents. Um, I'll, I'll name all three right in a row here. Linebacker Blake Martinez, wide receiver Geronimo Allison, and safety Kentrell Bryce. I think all three of these guys can be consistent contributors to this Packers team. Does that mean they're going to make be Pro Bowl caliber? Not necessarily. Um, even I'd say it's a long shot for all of them. But can they be a good starter for this Packers team? I like Blake Martinez. I really liked what he did early this year, how he basically became a starter right away uh, in this defense. I, I'm not sh- I, I still think the position could be upgraded. Um, maybe he, uh, you know, the Packers, if they could get a, another good inside linebacker in round one of the NFL draft, maybe that's the kind of guy that, that lines up next to Martinez. I, I kind of almost like Martinez more than Jake Ryan. I, I'm, that's not like a strong opinion for me. I'd certainly be very, let them duke it out in, in training camp this upcoming year and, and who knows, maybe they're continually paired next to each other next year if the Packers don't add someone early in the NFL draft at the position. But I like Blake Martinez. He, he basically came in and, you know, he was the play caller as a rookie, which I think showed a lot of, you know, mental capacity from him. I think he's got it mentally. Uh, and, and like I said, the last episode, I really like what he did in the last game of the season, the NFC Championship game. You know, the Packers were getting blown out uh, by the Falcons, and and he comes in late in the game. And and while it seemed like many players had given up, I really saw Blake Martinez flying around out there. And maybe it's because he finally started to get back to health by the end of the year. He had had that injury that kind of limited him from about mid-year towards the late season. He was out several weeks, and then he finally came back, maybe finally got healthy. I think he he, he can be a starter on this Packers defense. Geronimo Allison, I was so impressed with what he did as a rookie, especially an undrafted rookie, especially one that wasn't on the roster to start the season. They signed him a few weeks into the year after a few injuries happened, and he came in and and really showed a rapport with Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's only going to grow from here. Obviously, it's a stacked position in which, you know, the Packers have Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams all under contract, but all it takes is an injury to one of them to all of a sudden for Geronimo Allison to move up in the pecking order. But I mean, even for a team like the Packers that passes as much as any team in the entire NFL, even the fourth wide receiver can have an impact for this team. And I only expect him to get better. I, he was really a very good signing as an undrafted free agent. I'm sure if the draft were to take place again, he probably wouldn't be undrafted anymore. He probably would have been signed by somebody knowing every team that passed on him seven times through seven rounds would be like, oop, that was a mistake. Um, 
uh, yeah, I just really like what Geronimo Allison did. He's maybe not a speed burner, but you don't have to be that uh, to make it in the NFL if you can do other things well, uh, if you can run good routes, if you're strong, if you, you get yards after the catch. There are ways and things that you can do, and he's pretty big, a uh, pretty tall target, um, and that certainly helps him a lot too. And then Kentrell Bryce, Obviously, he's going to be blocked from a ton of playing time as long as Morgan Burnett and HaHa Clinton Dix are the safeties. But again, all it takes is one injury for to open the door to him, and and maybe he's the long term successor to Morgan Burnett. I, I don't really know. Um, that's still a, a year off yet uh, in, in the distance because you know Morgan Burnett's going to enter the 2017 season as the starter at the very least, as long as he's healthy. But Kentrell Bryce will be there in the sub packages. I thought he played well, considering he was a rookie. Did he play great? No, but considering he was undrafted, considering he was coming off the bench, you know, they found a spot for him, and he's as as physical a player as there is on the Packers roster. He... He throws his body around with abandon. As long as he makes clean hits, that's great. Um, I, I think he can make a, a impact for the Packers. I'm not sure if you're looking for any more under the radar than those three. <laughs> you know, I, I I can't really go out on a limb and say any of the guys they had on the practice squad this season are are definitely going to be big contributors to this team. We hope they will. Uh, but those were the best answers I could give to you and guys who I think have a, a future for this Packers team. Uh, one more question here from Chris White uh, with username CNillsWhite83 on Twitter. Is it time to hold Ted Thompson more accountable for how his rigidity and free agency seems to cause his teams to fall short, or am I entitled? Well, Chris, I'm not sure you're entitled but I'll say the question was worded in such a way that leaves very little leeway by saying, is it time to hold Ted Thompson accountable? Well, the only, if the only way of holding him accountable is firing him, then no, I don't think that's going to happen because obviously his job is safe from now until the end of next season. If the Packers were going to fire their general manager, they would have done it already. Uh, after, you know, following the 2016 season. And then I think a year from now, uh, it, you know, we're probably going to know what's going to happen with, with Ted Thompson because I, I think another year from now, he'll either retire or we'll, he'll, he, the writing will be on the wall in that he'll say, I've got one more season so they know when the end date will be or something like something in that category, vicinity, whatever you want to say. So I think, you know, he's not going to get fired. He's going to retire on his own terms, whether it's one year from now, whether it's two years from now, whether it's two drafts from now and he retires after the draft. However, Ted Thompson wants to do it, he can probably do it. And there's been a lot of speculation about maybe him simply stepping back. Uh, actually, he might retire from the general manager position, but actually go back to being a scout. And some people have thought he would actually like to do that, you know, not give up entirely, but, you know, take a lesser responsibility uh, and kind of just work in the shadows. And that would certainly seem to fit. 
Ted Thompson's personality. I haven't had a big problem with the way Ted Thompson operates in free agency with the exception of one year. Um, Ted Thompson, certainly, you know, one year he went out, you know, way back in uh, what year, 2007, was it, where he went out and signed Charles Woodson and Ryan Pickett and Marquand Manuel all in one year of free agency. And obviously since then, it's been more like one free agent every year. Some names are bigger than others. Obviously the big names, you know, were like Julius Peppers and and um, uh, Jared Cook. Uh, but in other years, you know, it's been lesser names or guys that have made lesser impact like Jeff Saturday, like Cedric Benson, like Seneca Wallace, uh, Brandon Chiller. <clears throat> you know, some some have made bigger impacts than others um, because I don't think you th- it's not good to throw around big time money in free agency, you see time and time again that the teams that throw big time money around in free agency are the type of teams that don't make the playoffs because they don't manage their salary cap very well. That being said, I wrote a column a year ago, roughly, when I still worked for 24-7 Sports about the 2014 offseason when the Packers, I think, should have signed a pair of players um, one of them being tight end Owen Daniels, who they actually brought in for a visit and declined to sign. He goes on to make an impact with the Denver Broncos and actually wins a Super Bowl with them. And then at the inside linebacker position, Dequell Jackson was a free agent at the time. I believe the Browns released him and he was signed by the Colts. Anyway, they, they spent $4 million on average to sign him. I think a guy the caliber of Dequell Jackson could have fit very well in Green Bay and would have been absolutely worth it uh, to upgrade the position at the time for the Green Bay Packers when when A.J. Hawk and Brad Jones and uh, Jamari Lattimore were still on the roster at that time. Dequell Jackson would have been an obvious upgrade. Those guys were out there. The Packers could have afforded them and declined. Now, I I know Bob McGinn of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has listed all sorts of possibilities the Packers could have done. This past January, he wrote a column uh, listing uh, all sorts of things the Packers could have done, like sign running back Matt Forte or tight end Vernon Davis um, or claim wide receiver Taylor Gabriel on waivers or trade for linebacker Jamie Collins. I think that's a little bit of revisionist thinking. He threw so many options out there because it's not like it was just the Packers. Any other team in the NFL could have done these moves as well, and I suppose you could argue that with with the the, the moves I suggested as well with Daniels and Jackson, although the Packers actually brought in Daniels for, for a workout and declined to sign him. He had some injury issues but that didn't stop the Broncos from signing them. So I don't know there. Uh, I thought they made a mistake in 2014. The other years, I I think they handled it just appropriately, how they signed Julius Peppers and and Jared Cook in recent memory. Um, Who exactly the Packers could go after this 
free agent offseason. We kind of have to wait and see yet because so many guys are going to be re-signed by their own teams. Like, obviously, the Packers are going to re-sign a few players prior to the start of free agency, very, very likely. Um, so we don't really know who's all going to be out there on the market. But I, 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 once again, I'm not in favor of them going out and spending a lot of money. And I'm not sure the Packers are going to have a lot. You, you know, you sit there and look. Right now, the Packers have something like $45 million are under the salary cap. And that looks like a lot of money. But now you're going to go sign Nick Perry, who's going to cost roughly $8 million a season, give or take. Uh, now sign TJ Lang. Now, now sign Jared Cook. Uh, now sign Micah Hyde, uh, now sign maybe another player or two, and, and all of a sudden, you don't have that much money anymore. So um, I'm not ruling out the Packers going and getting somebody, but it's just probably not going to be a high-priced free agent. So um, we'll see what happens and, and how things unfold. Like I said, it depends how many guys they re-sign of their own before free agency starts um, and, and who re-sign or sign with another team. So we got to let that play out before we really know who's even going to be available. So there you go. I, I touched on all sorts of topics here uh, on a Monday morning. And thank you to those of you who submitted questions. Hopefully I gave you a good answer, uh, or at least even if you disagree with me, you got uh, an honest answer <laughs> The unvarnished truth from my perspective, at least. Next segment. The day ahead. I don't have anything on the Packers calendar here on Monday, but on Tuesday, NFL teams can begin signing Canadian Football League players starting at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time. I don't have any inclination that the Packers are going to sign somebody or this is for sure going to happen. All I'm saying is it can happen. The the it, it it every team in the NFL can begin signing them starting Tuesday, Valentine's Day, February 14th at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time, which is when that window opens to all 32 teams in the NFL. Um, that would certainly be a unique way to build the roster. I have I have nothing against the Packers going out and signing one player from the Canadian Football League and try to find a, that diamond in the rough. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, uh, because even if it doesn't, you're probably not giving them a whole lot of guaranteed money. You just bring them in for the offseason or training camp and see if they've got what it takes, and if you got to cut them, you probably not out that much money. So there's very little hurt in, in doing that. Um, so we'll see if the Packers happen to do that. You know, a few weeks ago, we said uh, that there was a deadline for, for NFL teams to work out Canadian football league or CFL players. Now they can actually sign them beginning on Tuesday. So that's, what's to look forward to that. We know what's going to happen in the NFL and the green Bay Packers coming up. So many things can happen that you just don't see coming. Um, like when the Packers cut a player, you, you never exactly know when it's going to happen. Could that happen in the next 24-hour period? Sure. It's just impossible to predict. Um, but that does it for today's show of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Today's show is brought to you by B-Rock. 
Madison's upcoming craft beer bar looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Twitter at BeerockMadison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K. We're not but open yet. We're hoping to open in the coming months, but uh, as I think would be the appropriate thing to do, we're trying to get the word out on social media ahead of time. So when we open the doors, we got customers there waiting and ready for us. So hopefully you, you get the word via social media. So give us a follow. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much, folks, for joining us here at Railbird Central that airs at 8.30 a.m. Central Time every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll be back again this upcoming Wednesday talking more Packers offseason. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. I leave you today with a song called Udamon by the Steve Kimmock Band on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go! Thank you.